Hello and welcome to Gem the GM. In this episode, you are once again going to be listening to me games mastering an audio room from Escape This Podcast. It's the next one in the series, so if you've listened to the previous few episodes, you'll know what to expect. Now, this episode has a lot of narrative in it, and the recording is over an hour and a half. So I've split the recording into two episodes, but rather than releasing them two weeks apart, I'm going to release the second part of this episode next week. So make sure you tune in for that special bonus episode. I didn't think it was fair to make you wait two weeks for the concluding part of this episode. Now, as I said, this has got a lot of narrative in this one. You may find it a little bit confusing. So as always, I would encourage you to go over and listen to Escape This Podcast. And you might want to just check out this episode, even if you don't listen to the full episode. Right at the end of this one, they play all of the broken up narrative that you'll hear all together in one chunk. So if it does confuse you a little bit, then just go and visit their episode where you can hear that narrative all in one go. I hope you enjoy. All right, so here we are at the penultimate episode of Chronomaly, Chronomaly Chapter 9. Are you excited? Yeah, yeah. excited. So James said something to me the other day. He said that he can't wait. He, to find Greg or you know he's glad that you found Greg because you need to punch him in the face yes Greg is gonna be sorry when we find him I'm gonna cover him in honey <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Greg's not our favorite person right now no 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 it's a slippery customer oh slippery customer all right guys well it starts off with a bit of audio so here we go So let me make sure I've got this right. You'll have to excuse me for sounding a bit slow. It's not every day someone comes tumbling out of my time machine, particularly when I have no idea who they are or how they got in there. You're telling me Dr. Emmett Bill, your physics teacher, recruited you to travel back in time to find and stop his assistant Greg, who was altering past events for some unknown nefarious reason. Just to be clear, though, Emmett Bill? The Emmett Bill? A teacher? Right. I see. Or I'm beginning to see. I think I'm going to have to clear some things up for you. I'm Greg. Perhaps you'd already guessed that. But his assistant? (laughs) Certainly not. You think I'd be working in dust and secrecy if I were? I've got no one but myself to thank for my work, and no one but myself to blame for my mistakes. I invented time travel. I studied the physics. I sought out the materials. I built a computer that could find you anywhere in the time stream and bring you back. And that computer is what alerted me to a problem. The past isn't stable. Starting around 80 years ago and working backwards, somebody had been changing things. Dear old computer showed me exactly what the problems were, and I didn't like the idea of temporal instability, so I went back to fix them. No, nothing elaborate. A door that shouldn't have been unlocked. I threw away the key. A pit that shouldn't have been traversed. I hid the rope. And then I'd come right back. What? Of course I can travel more than once. What kind of lunatic would build a time machine you could only use once? Anyway, so I hit a big problem. The damage wasn't getting better. And I had my suspicions, but now I have proof. You! You and your classmates went back and rechanged everything, didn't you? I suppose in your timeline you thought you were doing the right thing. You thought I was making changes, not fixing them. 
I've got to admit, that's a side effect I did not see coming. Because why would anyone care about my little fixes? How would anyone even know? Well, back then I'd assume the changes I was fixing were some other scientist's careless errors. It didn't occur to me that somebody else was tracking these things as carefully as I was, keeping things different on purpose, abusing time travel for their own gain. You understand where I'm going with this, don't you? I didn't cause the time problems. Your Doc Bill did. In your world, he's a humble physics teacher, probably dissatisfied with life, apparently with me as his assistant. Or maybe that's a lie. I wouldn't know. He discovered time travel instead of me and found a way to know exactly what changes to make in the recent and distant past to completely change his fortune. I don't know how. Even my computer can't tell me that. But it happened. And in this reality, Bill is no teacher. He's a ruler, governor, but with such complete and utter control that even other nations' leaders are afraid of him. He has this public persona where everyone thinks he's omniscient, omnipresent. And now I see it's not just because he's clever. He cheated his way there. I should have suspected him. But here, he hasn't been a scientist in years. And this is where I start to see the real problem. I need to fix this. Even if not for the temporal instability, it's not moral what he's done. And that's why I invited my two friends here. I've been recruiting people, you see. Strength in numbers, since my efforts alone weren't very successful. But if I do fix things, your Doc Bill from your world immediately unfixes it. Coming back to this despotic dreamland of his, it's a cycle. We need a way to reverse his actions for good. A hard reset of all this. A way to stop him traveling through time ever. Open up, Greg! We know you're in there! You! Get out! Go! Stay in the machine! I'll find a way to get you back! This isn't your world! Don't stay for any longer than you need! Ambush came just as your old friend Greg was getting into the details of how you, yes, you, need to stop Dr. Emmett Bill from using time machines and alternate realities to bring himself world domination. A little late, really, Governor Bill has the entire state under his thumb and has been granted national and international powers well beyond his official station. But hey, if you could just whip on back to the past and fiddle with a few things, maybe he'd lose everything and you could leap in and become the all-controlling tyrant. Or you guess there could be no tyrant, you know, if that's an option. But then a swarm of armed men and women descended upon Greg's secret lab. Not so secret, apparently. Not from the ever-watching eyes of Governor Bill. Naturally, you assume he's behind this. Who else would it be? There haven't been any other permanent characters in this story. It's a panicky blur, but you feel yourself get picked up, thrown into a dark vehicle and driven somewhere. When the driver finally stops, you're manhandled some more, blindfolded and something bound to your wrist before being carried in, before being carried out and into what sounds like a large empty building. You hear several doors open and close as you're marched through them until at last you're put down. You lean against a wall and there's a click as the thing on your wrist is attached somewhere. Then your blindfold is removed and before your eyes can adjust, your captors are gone. 
The room you're in is empty besides the three of you. Uh, sorry, that would be one, two, three, four. That'd be five of you in this case. <laughs> you two are both hand, sorry, you four are both handcuffed to a bar on the east wall. Greg is sitting in the centre, uncuffed but still blindfolded. There are two closed doors leading off the room to the south and to the west. And on the north wall, there is a box of some kind, though from this distance, you can't tell precisely what it is. A sudden voice rings out through a hidden sound system, so loud and close, it makes you jump and your handcuffs rattle. As you look for the source of the voice, you see that written on the ceiling is a big number seven. Well, well, if it isn't Gregory, you probably aren't aware, but we know each other quite well in another life. Expect I taught you everything you know but it seems you're trying to pitch your skills against mine and that is not something I'll allow. I bet you're wondering how I knew, aren't you? Hmm, I think I can tell you that when I decide to. It is quite a story, but for the moment, I prefer you simply to stay out of my way and in here. I am tired of all your interfering. Okay, sounds like it's time for you to get out of this place and interfere. Your handcuff is attaching you to, you're attached to a bar, which is attached to the wall. The handcuff is attached to the bar. It's kind of like a, um, like a ballet bar, you know, like the ones that go along the wall. And you're all mm. attached to that. Can we reach the box that's in the court, that's on the north wall? Uh, you cannot. I assume we can't, we're not near enough to try and open the doors with our legs or anything. Unfortunately not, no. How this bar fixed, or how is it fixed to the wall? Just how a bar would be. I don't know what they're called, but like the things. The... You mean the brackets and the screws? Brackets, that's a good word, yeah. <laughs> brackets and screws. <laughs> right, okay. I wonder if there's any way we can remove those. We all like try and tug against the bar. Does it feel a bit loose at all? It doesn't, unfortunately. Your scrawny 17-year-old bodies, even all together, are not enough to get the bar off of the wall. Right, okay. Um, Have we got anything in our pockets at all that we can use? No, all of your pockets, if you have them, are empty. Is it just one of our hands that's in handcuffs? It is, yes. We've got one free hand. You have one free hand each, yes. That hand <laughs> Okay, cool. Okay. Is there anything else on the wall or by uh, on the? Uh, can we feel like under the bar, around on the bar? No, there isn't. It is just a very boring bar. Is Greg able to reach into his pockets at all? He can, yes. Does he have anything in his pockets? No, he doesn't. But he does have his hands free. Okay. Yeah, he's not handcuffed. He's just blindfolded. Okay. Oh, okay. We'll get to go over to the box and have a look. And can't he just take his blindfold off? Oh, oh, yeah. Of course. There's nothing stopping me from doing that, is there? He lifts his hands and peels off the blindfold, giving you a sheepish smile. You wonder how long he'd have stayed in the dark without you here. You know what they say about geniuses and common sense? No. What do they say? Mm. That they sometimes don't have any. So if he's freeing me around, can we ask Greg to walk over and have a look at that box on the north wall? 
Yeah. So he walks over to the box. Oh, he says, it's locked, but the lock is a slidey puzzle sort of thing. The kind where you have to move pieces and get one special piece out. That one must be holding it shut. Hold on. Let me describe it to you. And he describes it with such picture perfect clarity. It's as if you can see it yourself, which you will be able to in just a moment. Yeah, Greg's meant to be American and I forgot. <laughs> You're good at the accents. You are. I'll try, I'll try better. <laughs> uh, okay, it's one of these slider puzzles. So you have now got an image. Um, it's actually an interactive image. You may. Oh, yeah, yeah, so it is. Of some blocks which have to be slid in certain directions and a certain combination for you to be able to get the red box out. Greg actually, after he's described the puzzle to you, he pipes up and just sort of says, I think they hit me on the back of the head. Uh, I'm, if you don't need me anymore, I'm just going to sit down and take a little rest here. Lazy. Hmm. Mm. Tricky. Would anyone like to vocalise what they're doing? <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> You've all gone quiet. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, have you got it, Rob? I have got it, yeah. All right. Would you like to describe what you did? Uh, I can't remember now. <laughs> Rob's shown me the screen and he has done it, so I'm happy to um, accept that. But would you like me to tell you how it's done so that you guys can all see it? Yes, please. Tom's just done it in 20. Oh, Tom's done it now, okay. Yeah. I I, I, do, I mean, if it's not crucial for us to all be told it, then I'll, I won't be and I'll try it again later because I yeah. start doing it on my phone because every time I try and move a piece down, it sort of drags the screen down. I'd like to um, try and do it at some point. So, yeah. Okay, I'll leave it then. That's fine. As long as you've done it, that's fine. Yes. So um, you instruct Greg on how to properly complete the puzzle and he's very good at following instructions. Once you get the locking piece free, he pulls the door open. Yep, there's a key in here, he calls. Man, this box is odd, but anyway, probably not important. Okay. Does the key work in either the east or the south door? It does not, no. Okay. Does it work on our handcuffs? The key clicks into place and you are free. Luckily... The key fits everybody's handcuffs. So you are all unlocked from the wall for good. Hopefully. Okay, we got a number seven on the ceiling, haven't we? It's going to mean something. Can we examine the two doors in the room more closely? Sure, they are just uh, regular doors. Nothing interesting about them, really. They are open. They're not locked. Oh, they're not locked. Oh, okay. Which door should we go through? Examine the box again first. Okay. If you have a look at the box, uh, the inside of it is odd. Instead of the back being flat and smooth, there are some roughly circular indents as well. It's sort of the size of your palm and if something is supposed to fit in them. How, How many indents? 
eight h is that significant <laughs> probably going to be some sort of shape or something to find are they how are they arranged two rows of four four twos they're in pairs Sounds like with the size of palms, each of us has got two palms. If there's four of us, do we each need to put our palms onto those? Can we all reach in there and do that? You can. It just doesn't feel like that is quite the right shape. It looks more like a hoop. A hoop, okay. Like a bracelet. All right. right. Okay. So there's something like that would slot into them. Ooh, handcuffs. Ooh. Put the handcuffs in them. Well, the handcuffs do fit perfectly. And once you've slotted them all in, you hear a little noise. A small section of the back of the box <coughs> has moved and it reveals a <coughs> tiny hole. So what do we want to put in the hole, guys? Oh, we're back here again. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's asking for it, isn't it? <laughs> if you think of like a standard size nail... All right. um, that you would hammer into a wall. It's kind of like that kind of size. Oh, I know something about that sort of size that could fit in then. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Joe? <laughs> very, very rude. Right. Oh, sorry, so you said the doors are open. Had we gone through the door? And Clearly to... not. No. No, uh, Tom wanted to inspect the box first, which was a good shout. They do with the west door. Okay, you open that door and you walk through. But immediately you can see that the entire floor space is empty. The only thing in this room are two other doors leading out of it, one on the west wall and one on the south. But there is a mural taking up the entire north wall. Okay. So empty floor. Anything on the ceiling? Ah, yes. If you look up at the ceiling, you see a big number four painted on it. Let's have a look at the mural in more detail. All right, so it's a sweeping landscape painting covering the entire wall. It's entirely in black and white. The left half is made up of a thick field of enormous sunflowers, and the right half is completely grass. Right, sunflowers and grass. Is it just like around a lot of sunflowers, or is there like a, can you see if there's like, Five of them, is there? There's a lot. Um, Hundreds. How many blades of grass are there on the grass side? Would you like... You can stand there and count them if you'd like okay, to. Okay, you leave me here. I'll, I'll Shall we proceed through the doors from this room? Might as well, as we're in this room. Mm-hmm. Let's call this the four room. So, um, shall we go through the west wall of... West door of the forum. Yeah. Let's keep going west. Mm. Go west, where the skies are blue. The door in the west wall opens and you walk through. This room only has one other exit in the south wall. Inside it, sitting against the far wall, is a large box that looks like it might sit at the end of somebody's bed. That's it for the floor, but the walls have huge scrawling words on them. Someone's gone to town graffitiing it. What does it say? The graffiti is entirely made up of words, none of them particularly difficult, but all of them rather negative. You see the word wrong, bad, miss, sad and can't, which you assume is can't. 
although it's missing its apostrophe. The paint used to make these words looks old and a tiny bit peeled. And in fact, the dot above the I in miss isn't even paint. It's a little hole in the wall. <laughs> it's the hole the same size as the other hole. It is. It looks exactly the same. Okay. Uh, what's on the ceiling of this room? There is a big number one. Let us proceed through the south door. Of the four room. No. Oh, no, oh, of the no. one room. The one room. The one room. The one room. Go through the south door, yeah. The door yeah. opens and you find yourself in a room that's empty apart from four portraits on the wall. Is this the number two room by any chance? It is. <laughs> ah, four portraits on the walls. Can we have a look at these portraits? Of course. They are all done in the same sweeping romantic style, although the subject of each is quite different. The first is a chambermaid in black and white uniform and black buckled boots, dusting a table. The next is a burglar, hunched over and creeping, wearing a dark cloak and tattered flat sandals. You think he's missing an eye in the painting, but then you realise, nope, that's a small hole. The third portrait is a king on his throne, draped in regal colours, his legs crossed to emphasise his pale leather shoes, which are extremely pointed. The fourth could be a partnered painting to that last one because it's a court jester wearing full clown gear and juggling three goblets. Okay. <laughs> it's only the burglar one that has the hole. Yes. Any doors in this room? There is a door in the east wall. Let's go through it. Unfortunately, the handle doesn't budge at all. Should we go back and into the upper rooms? Do you think that we have other doors that we haven't been through? Yes. So if we go back to the room with the four on the ceiling, should we go through the south door? Yes, indeed. All right, so you go back through to the mural room and attempt to go through the south door. Unfortunately, it's locked. Kind uh, of feels like it's locked from the other side. So, okay. So we seem to have, yeah, because that would probably lead into the same room that other east door we can get through as well. Okay. Back to the seven room and go south from there. Okay. You open the south door and step through. You're in another small rectangular room, the same size as the last. There's a south door in this room as well, and an east door. Go south, go west, go west. Sorry, carry on. In front of the east door is a hulking, unmoving robot. I got confused when Tom was talking. What? Where, where were the other doors in this room? There's a door in the south and the east. And the east. And the, and the robot is in front of the east door. Can we talk to this robot? I am a robot. Also, what's the number on this room? Uh, the number is eight. What would you like to say to the robot? Can we go through the door? Nothing happens. It's unresponsive. On the robot, any like panels or buttons or switches or levers? Well, the robot's body is a dull grey and it's enrobed with either a wizard's cloak or a judge's robe. It's hard to tell. Although there is something sitting on its head that might be a judge's wig. In the middle of its chest, it has a big round badge. Oh, actually, that's not a badge. It's a button. Push the button. 
A muffled crackling noise comes from the robot's mouth. You have to stand on your toes to reach it, but when you do, you hear automated words coming from the inbuilt speaker. Test your knowledge with Judge KG3030. Will you get the correct answer and walk free? In which body part will you find equal amounts hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, and iodine? Speak your answer to receive your verdict. Anyone got any ideas? I would guess it's the lungs. Mm, no, because there's not equal amounts of that in air. But where else would it be? In the brain? That's what I was thinking, actually. Yeah. Or yeah. in the liver? Maybe we'll find the information we need elsewhere. Maybe you're right. We shouldn't need outside knowledge to complete the game, right? That's a good point, yeah. Shall we leave the robot letting go through the south door? Yeah, let's assume that we don't have unlimited goes with the robot, so we won't risk it now. Um, you do. You don't. Should we just throw some answers out there then? Okay, in which body parts? I'll start with brain. No response. Bone. No response. Can you edit out all the wrong answers? <laughs> <laughs> and make me look like we got it on the first go. Um, Not the heart, is it? No response. Blood. I think we probably do need to find something for this well, then. Well, we can just chuck a few more guesses out there. So liver. Nothing. Just like this guessing game. Kidneys. Nothing. Pancreas. Nothing. While Joe's messing around. Nothing. I shall continue to through the south door. Full bladder. <laughs> you can just stay there talking to the robot. <laughs> oh, that would be so cute. Joe just looking up at this massive robot saying body parts. <laughs> Plane. You know what, I'm just going to chip in with a body part. Gonna... Well, you're going to have to, if you follow... Tom and the others, you're going to have to run back to the robot to say it. He's not going to be able to hear you in other rooms. Is iodine an element? Yes, it is. Any of the, like, really dense answers? Can I you know the down? answer. Oh, you're joking. You can carry on guessing if you want. I, I helped you, didn't I? The clue is you don't need outside information. Correct. You're even having the gall to give me a clue on the puzzle that you've already solved that I can't solve. You're distracted because you're a biologist. <laughs> <laughs> Not a very good one, evidently. <laughs> the other clue is that iodine is an element. Yeah. As are all the others. So you're thinking outside the body. Thinking outside the body. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, um, so it's a body like the, but not a human body. Is this how we're playing this now? One someone solves the puzzle but then waits for everybody else to solve it. Everyone <laughs> needs to experience the joy on of the puzzle. On this particular one. <laughs> it, it, it's a trick question. It's not a bother. It is, yeah. yeah. Joe, you are you are getting distracted by your outside I, knowledge. I knew it would be. Have you got it, James? Not at all. Not even a little bit. So was it in which part of the body? Yep. Which part of the body? Have you got it, Rob? I think I have. I think I'm on the right line. There. I'm not. I get what Tom's saying, but I don't know. Which part of the body? E equal parts of those four things. 
Can you give me the four things again? Carbon, iodine, nitrogen, and hydrogen. I think I've got it, but I could be completely wrong. One part of each. Are we supposed to be saying this if we got it, or are we just... Well, I don't know. Tom's, like, teasing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, am I going to... No! (laughs) Joe wants to get it, I think. The letter O, does that do anything? No. Okay, it's not it then. Which body part contains one hydrogen, one nitrogen, one carbon, and one iodine? Hang on. It's to do just the name of it, isn't it, then, and the letters in it? Yes. Uh, I've got it, yes. Handkerchief. Just those four things and nothing else. No chin. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you get handkerchief? (laughs) He hasn't written out as H N C I, and I was just like, what word contains all of those? And it's like in that order. That was just the first word that came into my head. (laughs) What part of the body contains all of those? The handkerchief. All right, okay, gosh, well. Not to be sneezed at. But I let myself down massively there. I knew there was something amiss there. Yeah, no outside (laughs) knowledge should ever be needed. We know this. Joe's just stood there, gallbladder. (laughs) (laughs) Nuns, brain. I had a lot lot left to just spout out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so who, who would like to proudly declare the answer? Stand aside, Joe. <laughs> uh, well, Where is it, Tom? The answer is chin. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> the defendant goes free. KG3030 says, then you hear a whirring. You take a step back and you see that the robot's mouth is opening wide and resting on its tongue is a silver key. Oh dear, Ooh. its mouth doesn't look that healthy though. There's a big hole in one of its molars. Perfectly round and about the width of a nail. Okay, so it's a silver key. I say we take the silver key. It's in your inventory. Good. (laughs) Right, so let's try going through the south door now, shall we? The south door from this room. From room eight, yes. Yeah. So the door opens up into what is clearly a makeshift classroom. There are six identical desks spaced out neatly in a three by two rectangle, three in the top row, three in the bottom. And out the front is a white board with a mannequin carved and dressed perfectly like a teacher. There's one other door leading out of the room and it's in the west wall. Right. Can we go up to this teacher mannequin and have a look at it? Sure, the mannequin is in much better shape than the ones you see at department stores. It's been carved with actual facial features which perfectly match the expression of every strict teacher you've ever had. Even her bobbed hair reminds you of one specific principle. Her clothes are prim and proper and one of her hands is pointing at the whiteboard. You've never seen a more clear command of get this work done or else. What's on the whiteboard? There are some questions written on the whiteboard. You aren't sure what age these non-existent students are supposed to be, but the sentences look a little simple. I'm going to send you an image of what they look like. I see five sentences and we've got, there's three, there's 
clearly missing words with the number of letters indicating there's a circle around some of them. So I am blank. I go to the blank. I have one blank. I go to blank. I can blank it. Well, I think I have one nose. I can taste it. You can taste your nose? (laughs) No, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure the senses are meant to run in that thing, but they all meant to be of the senses, maybe. So. I am C. So sometimes on podcasts, they were in their little like introduction bit, they'll put a little clip of something that comes later in the episode. And uh, if I were to do that for this episode, it would definitely be, I have a nose, I can taste it. (laughs) That'd be in the trailer, would it, for this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) You don't have to guess what's supposed to be in these gaps. Okay, we need to find the words. Okay. Maybe they're on the desk. So let's have a close look at each of the desks. Hmm. The six desks look just like the ones from your younger years at school with the chairs neatly folded in and the cubby space on the underside of the desks overflowing with papers. There are no mannequin students sitting at them and you're comfortable with that. Nothing on the desks then? Or in desk drawers? Any chewing gum under the desks? Is that really the first thing you want to look for? (laughs) (laughs) Any pictures of the desk? Uh, Well, if you you want to have a little rifle through the underside of the desk, there's loads of blank paper under there just filling up the space, really. But you do find a single exercise book in each desk. The one under the top left desk has a name on it, saying it belongs to a student named Ruby Smith. The one in the top middle says Carter Blackwood. And the top right is Amy Grassley. The bottom three, left to right, are Toby Brown, Pearl Maguire, and Sky Chen. How do you spell Chen? C-H-E-N. So I'm picking some stuff out from these names. Yeah, me too. um, With colours and things. Colours, yeah. I think, so if I think for the first name, the ruby, second name, we've got the black part. I, I, Amy Grassy, I guess it's the grass part, maybe. Mm, maybe. Maybe Brown, Pearl, Maguire, and Sky. So there's some bits I think that are colours, and some that maybe relate to the mural. Yeah, I was just thinking that mural. Relates to the mural. Okay. Feel, perhaps it could all relate to the mural. No, because it's black and white. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm not. Yeah. Are there anything actually inside these exercise books? No, they are all blank. What number's on the ceiling? There's a number nine. Nine. I knew it. Why did you know it, Tom? So that's five and six. I think there's a pattern. Yeah, I see it too. I mean, it looks like starting in the top left, going down, it's one, two, three, then the second column, four, five, six, then seven, eight, nine. But then we've got a door going off to the east from the eight room, so who knows where that goes. Hmm. So can we get through this door on the west yet? Of the nine room. You haven't tried, do you want to? Are we ready to do that? Yeah. All right, so the door opens to another room. This one is lit extremely brightly. There are lights coming from the ceiling, the walls, and even the floor. Inside the room, you can see six narrow pedestals about waist height. 
arranged three across and two down. Pedestal. Sitting on each pedestal is a small rock. They're real and impressively sized chunks of mineral. Right in the centre is a table upon which sits another rock, but this one is big and very obviously fake. It's almost as big as you and looks more like plastic. There's one other door out of this room and it's in the west wall. So Joe runs into this room and excitedly looks at the ceiling to discover it's a number six. Okay, so there's rocks and gems on all of these other pedestals. Yeah. What are they? So the rocks are all very pretty and they're all very different from one another. Some are smooth, some are pointy, some are round and some are rectangular, but most noticeably they're all very pretty different colours. You have some boring ones, which are white and black and brown, but there are also some very bright ones, a blue and a green, for example. One thing, though, there are six pedestals, but only five rocks. Oh, OK. Right, so we need to arrange. I think Joe's got it. I'll let her have it. <laughs> oh, it's, these relate to the names of the students, don't they? Yes, they do. So we'll have a ruby, a black one. The group, So... We want to put the ruby red rock on the top left pedestal, the blackish rock on the centre top pedestal, the green rock or emerald rock. Emerald, on, probably. Yeah, emerald, yeah, on the top right pedestal. And then we said one of them no, was... Turquoise. Yeah. What was the one we were missing? We said there was one that was one of them was missing. It's going to be a fake one. Well, we got a brown one. We said the brown rock should go on the bottom left one. Now it's the choice between the pearl and the sky. One of them's going to have to be the fake one. Well, Gemma said there was a white gem, wasn't there? Did she say there was a white one? Okay, so it's got to be that's got to go on the centre bottom one. So that means the fake one must have to go on the bottom right. So this fake rock is huge. It's like the size of you. It's massive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not. We can't move it. We can't. It, and it it's, it, yeah. yeah, it's fixed to the table. Okay. So you said we have five rocks, but only six pedestals. That's correct. And the five colours that we have are black, white, brown, green and blue. Yes. We don't have a red rock. I thought we said red, did we not? What did I miss no. here? That? Okay, what? so it's the red one we're missing. Okay. Ruby Smith is missing her rock. So what you've done is you've arranged the rocks that you have on the pedestals to match the yes. kids' names. Yes. We just need to try and find a ruby then somewhere, don't we? To... Um, Can we examine the giant rock in any more detail? Uh, sorry, just one thing I should let you know, that when you uh, moved all of the rocks around... The white one was covering a little tiny round hole. So it's covering that. So that hole is in one of the pedestals. Yes. Which pedestal was that? The top one? left. It doesn't matter. Top left for argument's sake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to make it up and then worried you'd put too much um, emphasis on, on that one. <laughs> so I thought I'd just tell you that it doesn't matter. That's fine. Thanks. Yeah, this ruby probably is the one that we need to try and find it's probably going to be hidden somewhere else isn't it we probably need to get a puzzle did you say you wanted to look at the big rock yes please 
Its surface is glassy and sort of transparent, like a magic eight ball. In fact, if you squint, you think you can see something written on the inside. But if it's telling you your future, the outlook is hazy because you don't think trying again later will help. It's your shadow. This room is so brightly lit that no matter where you stand, you're casting a shadow over the fake rock and it obscures the message. If you stand far enough away that you're not casting a shadow, you're too far away to read the words. Let me turn the lights off. Can we see how this room is lit? Yeah, light bulbs. Light bulbs in the ceiling. Smash them. <laughs> Does that go against the nut breaking anything in the throw room? Throw rocks at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, throw emeralds at the light bulbs. <laughs> at the lights. So, yes, A, it does go against the um, not destroying anything. <laughs> and B, if you destroyed all of the light, surely you'd be in a different conundrum because it would be pitch black. Right, well, maybe all but one. <laughs> uh, but no, you're not allowed to destroy anything, sorry. I think we should try going through the door in the uh, uh, west wall and seeing what's in the final room. Yeah. We got it's not quite the final room, but well, not quite the final room, but yeah, to complete our square of rooms, right? So the door opens, but it does not lead straight into another room like all of the rest. Instead, you find yourself looking into a long, dark hallway. It's completely bare, but way down the other end, you do see a door. You can walk, uh, sorry, you walk down to see what's behind it, and what you find is absolute blackness. You cannot see a thing in this room. Ooh. Fumbling okay. with the wall yields no light switch. You won't be able to get much done in here without light, and you don't want to go stomping around in the dark. What if there's something even more precious in here than the gems in the last room? You turn to leave when suddenly pain blossoms in your foot from your big toe. James, you kick something. Oh. Hear it. <laughs> you hear it clatter away towards the hallway, and in the light you see that it was a small red stone. Ooh, I wonder what that could be for. Anyone? Yeah. So very convenient. Mm. Yeah. Let's put that red stone on the top left pedestal. All right. So you've moved all of the rocks so that they match the students' names and the desk positions. And from somewhere to the west, you hear a click. You open the west door, head down the dim hallway and open the door at the end. And the light is on in this room. There is some kind of space-themed room. The walls are covered in a painted version of the solar system, and in the very centre of the room is a telescope. Is there a number on the ceiling of this solar system room? Yes, it's a number three. (laughs) What happens if we have a look through the telescope? Well, it looks like your standard semi-expensive telescope. And peering through the eyepiece, you obviously don't see a huge amount because you're just facing it towards a rather nearby wall. And telescopes don't do much for those. They only work properly when you're actually looking at something quite far away. Not necessarily space far, but further than a couple of feet. I have an idea. I'd like. What's that, Joe? If you don't mind. Can we point this telescope towards the big gem. Oh, that's a good idea. 
You aim the telescope towards the door and down the long hallway into the rock room. And when you look through, you're looking right at the centre of the big fake rock. With your enormous magnification, the lack of shadow blocking out the image, you see a message. Kind of looks like a code. It says S for sugar, arrow, M for mother, then D for Delta, arrow, Y for Yankee. A for Apple, arrow, E for Elephant. What ways are these arrows going? <laughs> I'm in a mess. Oh, sorry. So it's like separate lines. Sorry. Oh, so okay. S, arrow, M, oh. with an arrow pointing towards the M. I'm with you. Okay. Oh, so it's not so then, the arrows, the actual arrows, they're not as in A for arrow. Apologies. Right, hang on. Let me just show you what I meant. <laughs> not that difficult, Vivo. <laughs> How hard can it be? S to M. Yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, A to E. Uh, I for indigo, arrow, A for apple. Yeah. And then O for Oscar, arrow, I for ink. Or indigo, as you just or said. indigo, as you just said. <laughs> I like to come up with different words. Thank you so much for listening. Catch the next part of this episode next week. And until then, keep on escaping.